0: Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. I'd like to welcome our guest teacher today, Lincoln Lanza, is going to uh, be teaching today. So please take it away, sir. Series intro. Teach us to pray. Indeed. This month we're exploring what is known as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Discovering the principles the principles that Jesus taught us about prayer and connecting with God's table. Thank you. Appreciate that, sir. He's the best teacher. The best teacher, indeed. Uh, well, good morning, guys. Excited to have you all here for this. Today we are, like as Lincoln said, we're going to be uh, continuing with our uh, teaching series, Teach Us to Pray, which is uh, we're going through uh, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, verses 9 through 13. Uh, So I want to read it together here. Uh, I'm reading out of the uh, ESV translation if you want to follow along with that. But Matthew 6 verse 9 says, pray then like this. This is Jesus teaching his disciples. He says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so what we're doing throughout this message series is we're, like the disciples, we're asking Jesus, teach us to pray. Like, how should we pray? And it's not so much literal, right? We're not so much saying that you have to have like a, that these are the things you have to say, but more the principles behind what prayer is about and what God wants us to know about how we should approach Him. Uh, So our first week was, uh, it's all about God. And we learned that prayer is more about God than it is about us, right? That was the foundation of of prayer. Our second week was our will versus God's will. And so we learned that we pray God's will because he has bigger plans for our lives than we do. Last week, we talked about the daily bread and we learned that my needs are not my problem. Like, and the idea is, is that we are called to go to the source, right? That we trust God for our needs, that he is the one who provides for us, and whether that's in a job or that's through meeting the needs from other people who've met our needs, that God is the one that we look to and we trust him for it. And so this week, we're going to go deeper into the passage and explore the next uh, verse and dig into verse 12, which is uh, an interesting one, and I'm excited to see where our discussion is going to go today, but it's verse 12 from Matthew 6, and it says this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So today we're talking about forgiveness. And this is a topic that I think most people love the concept of forgiveness, especially when you're the one receiving, all right? Who likes to be forgiven for things they've done wrong? Like everybody does, right? Um, We've all heard about it. We've all taught about it. We live in a society that has been so framed by Christian principles, even if people don't live them anymore, that the concept of forgiveness is known as a high quality, right? Um, And yet, it can be one of the most difficult things that we could ever have to do. It's also very misunderstood, but its power cannot be underestimated. So I want to read a quote from an American author. Her name is Marianne Williamson. Uh, And this is what she says about forgiveness. She says, Forgiveness is not always easy. At times, it feels more painful than the wound we suffered to forgive the one that inflicted it. And yet there is no peace without forgiveness. Anybody ever identify with that, that the concept of forgiveness, it feels actually sometimes like it'd be more painful to forgive the person who hurts you than it is the actual wound itself. And yet we're called to forgive. I want to tell you a quick story um, of, of something that I saw a couple years ago when I was living in Lawrenceville. I remember um, I remember being in Lawrenceville and I was driving down uh, Butler Street at the corner of uh, Butler and Main Street. Anybody who've been in Lawrenceville, you know that, that Main Street comes down off of the hill and then just dead ends right into, uh, into Butler Street, right at the Row House Cinema. Well, um, there was a bicyclist who was riding his bike on Butler Street, crossing, you know, just continuing down the road at Main Street. And then there was a car coming down... Uh, but coming down Main Street and about to turn and they almost collided with each other the uh, I, I can't remember who was at fault if it was a green light. I think it was a red light um, for the driver but I'm not positive and they almost collided and 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 then all of a sudden the bicyclist gets off of his bike and runs over to the to the driver's side window. Of the, of the car and starts yelling at the guy. And then the guy in the car you know, basically half leans out of his car and he's screaming at the guy who's you know, yelling at him, the bicyclist. And for what felt like five minutes, they're just arguing back and forth, hurling insults at each other and screaming at each other. And you know what I saw was that there was no listening. There was no conversation. What I, what I was witnessing was rage and anger and insults. And I was worried that it could potentially turn violent because of the way that their body, like their posture, I mean, they were just, you could see just the, it boiling over at each other. So finally I honked my horn, and I think they realized they were holding up traffic, and so they dispersed and went about their way. And so when I think about the concept of forgiveness, obviously that's a very isolated circumstance, right? It's, a, it's a, that's, that's anger, it's frustration, it's rage, but... It's something that I wanna talk about today, the idea of forgiveness. What would have happened if that person, if either of those individuals had led to, it from a place of de-escalating de-escalating and, and giving grace and forgiveness instead? So I wanna ask you this, in the room, have you ever experienced anger or frustration towards someone ever in your life? <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. All right, I want you to think back to a time uh, in your life where you were hurt by an individual maybe a family member, uh, could be a friend, could be a husband or a wife, could be a coworker. worker um, Well, what about a time when you chose not to forgive someone, perhaps even for just a short period of time, right? How did that make you feel? Did it get better or did it get worse, right? Here's what unforgiveness does. When we don't forgive, unforgiveness turns into bitterness And it begins to rot us from the inside out. And before we know it, we are like the angry driver sitting in the car or that bicyclist yelling out the window at someone else because of how it affects us. And so today what we're going to be talking about is is a topic that Jesus is, is systematically in these in, these, uh, in this prayer, he's highlighting various elements of our lives that Jesus is saying, this is an important space in which it's important to focus on in your life, and particularly when it has to do with your relationship with God. But you'll see that today, it's not just forgiveness is not just about our relationship with God, but it's also relating to our relationship with other people. He chose to highlight an area and illustrate the importance of understanding forgiveness in our lives and for those around us. And I would say this, is that forgiveness is is so much more than just a ticket to heaven. When I grew up, I heard the word forgiveness. It was always about going to heaven, right? And what we're going to be really talking about today is that forgiveness is so much more than that. It's, It's as much about our life on earth as it is in heaven. So let's explore verse 12 a little bit deeper here. Matthew 6, 12. I'm going to read it again. And forgive us our debts, right? So we've already talked about who God is. We talked about we want his way of life. His, his authority, his um, principles, and, and the establishment of his reign, his kingdom, Uh-oh. being, uh, being what's, what is the, the primary leadership in our lives, right? That idea. And so now he's saying from that place to forgive us our debts. Forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So I want to talk about that real quick again. Matthew 6, 12, And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. What is a debt? A debt is something that has been taken from someone else and is now has to be satisfied, right? In order to finish it, right? A debt. The idea of something wronged or something taken and it requires satisfaction, a creditor requiring payment, anybody who has like a car bill or like a mortgage. Um, but the Bible also talks about sin. The word sin and the concept of it is spoken in this term, right? It is a debt that must be paid. Sin is, is, a, is something that has been taken or it is a wrong that needs to be set right, okay? And so we need a Savior. The Bible paints a picture of sin in our lives, of our of as individuals that, that, that we are in need of debt being paid, and the concept of the cross, of Jesus on the cross, is that he, his blamelessness, his sinless nature, is what paid the debt, right, for us on the cross, is what, in the Bible talks about, is that that, ha, that that debt has been paid, it has been required, it has been satisfied. And we need forgiveness. Like, we have a debt. So the Bible paints this picture of all humanity being separated from God because there's a debt that we cannot pay. There's no way to do it on our own. We can't be just good people. We can't you know, give a certain amount of money to charities. Like we, there's just no way for us to, to fix that because we are inherently sinful. The debt load is too big. It's, it's more than we can handle. We need forgiveness. But then the concept of forgiveness actually is the word to send away or to dismiss, right? So think of like a court case. When a court case is taken up and they dismiss the charges, right? They send it away. They wipe it clean, This is the concept of canceling out or wiping clean or paying off a debt. Have any of you ever paid off a debt like a car payment or maybe not a house? I don't know if any of us have paid off houses yet. But like or even paid off a credit card bill or even just you owed money to a friend and then you paid them back. It's a wonderful feeling to have that canceled, to have that taken away, right? The guilt of the debt, the weight of it, the feeling of you're always on the hook for something. What it does to you, having that way over you, when it is canceled, when it is taken away, is a wonderful, beautiful feeling. And So the concept of forgiveness is canceling. It's sending away. And what we're doing is we're asking God spiritually for something that we cannot pay off on our own right? The idea of forgive us our debt. God, forgive us for the things that I can't make right. All the things I've done wrong, all the things I will ever do, I can't, I can never make that right in your eyes. Please forgive me. Give me grace. Give me mercy. Cancel it. Wipe it away. Don't count it against me. We actually hear David say that in the Psalms a lot. He says, do not count my sin against me, right? He's like asking for this forgiveness, Um. And so the beauty of salvation in Jesus that the Bible promises is that Jesus provides it forgiveness for us and that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to prove it, right? Forgiveness is given to us because of how he feels about us. And so when we choose to follow Christ, the Bible tells us that God cancels our debt. Jesus paid what we owe through his death on the cross. And that forgiveness brings us peace. And it begins the healing process. And so today's big idea is this forgiveness heals what hurt destroys. Forgiveness heals what hurt destroys. And so we see this, this juxtaposition of these two like sentences that are linked, right? He says, Forgive us our debt. So that's to God. God, forgive me for all the things that I owe you, right? The sin, the separation, the wrongness that I have done as i forgive those or as i have forgiven those right there's a link in there and so the concept of forgiveness is just as much about our earthly lives as it is our connection with god forgiveness heals what hurts destroy we need the same forgiveness we need the same peace we need the same healing every day we need freedom from bitterness we need freedom from broken relationships so much so that Jesus draws our attention to it by saying, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus is linking the concept of forgiveness to not just be a spiritual thing. Like I said, it's not just a ticket to heaven. It's not just a get-out-of-jail-free card. The concept of forgiveness is about who we are in the relationships with other people. And he seems to be implying that it matters, like if not equally, that there is a, there's a link to it that is very important. He was pointing out that he cares deeply about everybody and not just us. It's not just the ones that he happens to like or has to or he has spoken to. Because what about that guy down the street? What about people who voted differently than you? Like, are those individuals worthy of forgiveness and grace as well? Right? Jesus is pointing out he cares deeply about everyone, not just us. We all need peace. We all need healing. We all need forgiveness. And he's asking the question here. How can I forgive you when you are holding malice in your heart toward another? Think about that for a second. What if God is saying that to us when we come to him and we go, God, forgive me, I'm so sorry. If he goes, how can I forgive you if you are holding malice to another? Jesus is getting to the core of the matter here, right? He's getting to the, to the middle. It's always about the heart. He's saying, you can ask for forgiveness like a ritual. I mean, I've known a lot of people, and I've done this in my own life, you know, before, where I know that I've done something wrong, and I go to him and I ask for forgiveness just so I can wipe the slate clean, but there's some part of me that goes, but I still know that I haven't worked through that yet, you know? Like, that there's a part of me that knows that I'm struggling with this, and then I'm probably just going to do it again, so I'm just doing the, the thing that I need to do. But Jesus is saying that's not going to cut it. He says, I see your heart. I know that you hold unforgiveness in there. So he's specifically talking about an unforgiven heart, right? And there's another passage where it talks about Jesus saying, if you have anger in your heart, don't come to the altar. Don't come to the temple. He says, wait, just go back and fix it with your coworker, your friend, or your family, or whoever that is. Go deal with them first and then come back to make your sacrifice, right? There is this picture that it matters the way that we treat other people. The way that our heart is in relation to other people. I see your heart. I know you hold unforgiveness there. Deal with that, and then we'll talk. So, the sentence structure of verse 12 assumes, hear me on this, the sentence structure of verse 12 assumes that we've already forgiven other people when we ask for forgiveness for God, because he says, Forgive us as we have forgiven. Right? The assumption already is in place that before we've come to God, that we have made it right with other people. That's the assumption that's there. And obviously there is discussion that we can make about this and talk about this. But it seems pretty clear to me that Jesus is making it clear that forgiveness is not just between us and him, that he calls us to live that out with other people. And then we actually see in another verse... In Colossians chapter 3, if you want to open there, verses 12 through 14, he talks about the concept of instructing us to forgive. It's all over the Bible. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And this is really where the practical nature comes in today, and then we'll have our discussion. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation here, NLT. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone who offends you. I'm thinking about all of the people who offend me on social media right now. Or, you know, that, conversations with people or It could be any number of topics, right? But that's a pretty big statement. Make allowance for each other's faults. So give room for mistakes, right? And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Let's go back, right? Matthew 6, 12. Forgive me my debt as I have forgiven those who have debts to me, right? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So I want to close today with these three ideas. Why forgive? Why should we forgive? Number one, because it's a part of who we are. It's a part of who we are. Look at what verse 12 says here in Colossians 3. God chose you to be the holy people. Like He chose us. We are God's people, which means we live by new rules now. Like, we are a part of His kingdom. We've been saying this, singing this song, Our Father, every Sunday, right, for the last four weeks. Our Father, who's in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your rule, your reign, your economy, your uh, way that we treat people, your principles, your behaviors, your values, all of those things are who we are as His children. We live in His society, His laws, right? It's just like in, as Americans, there are a certain code of conduct there are certain principles we live by, laws we go by. As citizens of the kingdom, that's what we're saying by his kingdom come in our lives, right? That's the idea. We are his holy people. We are to be tenderhearted. What does it say? Tender-hearted mercy? Are you known as a tender-hearted, merciful person? What about kindness? Does the world know you as kindness? If they were to list off attributes of Annie or Michael or Jared, what would they say? Would they say you are marked by tender-hearted mercy, by kindness, by humility, gentleness and patience? Maybe some of those perhaps, right? Like but are those the hallmarks of who we are? That's what it says, right, in Colossians 3. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourself with it. Tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Sounds a lot like the fruit of the spirit, right? These are the things like the fruit. Fruit grows on a tree right? If the tree is healthy, it bears fruit. The idea is if the spirit is living within you and is healthy, this is who you will be. So why do we forgive? We forgive because it's part of who we are. This is what we're called to be. We are God's people and we are called to live by those new rules. This is who we are. We also forgive because, number two, it's our responsibility. Look what it says in verse 13. Forgive anyone who offends you. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive, right? To make allowance for each other's faults, I don't think faults are just mistakes. I actually think faults are innate faults. Like there are things we look at someone and go, that's a part of who they are. And until it heals or changes, it's not gonna be different. We make allowance for that fault. So maybe someone's arrogant and that's something we don't like, of course, right? But make allowance for the knowledge that this person's arrogance is there and learn to deal with it, learn to adjust with it. That's hard, right? To make allowance for something means I'm giving space for it to exist. And yet in the same space, still be tenderhearted mercy, to be patient, to be humble. Wow. Okay. Like now we're talking like forgiveness is not just about, about just saying, well, you're off the hook. It's learning to rebuild a bridge. It's learning to find the way to be able to connect and to rebuild a road with someone where it has been destroyed before. Make allowance for each other's faults to forgive anyone. Jesus, is there anybody that I shouldn't be forgiving? Like, is there anybody that I could that I could like just be off the hook for? Peter asked, how, Peter, the apostle, before he was an apostle, asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Anybody know this story? Like he says, how many times should I forgive somebody? And Jesus goes, well, what do you think? And he goes, what about seven times? <laughs> Which is like a lot, right? I mean, think about that. How many of you have ever thought, I've had to deal with this issue three times. I'm done. Right? What does Jesus say? He's like, Well, Jesus, what about seven? Seven times is a lot. And he goes, No, how about seven times seven? Like 77 times seven. Like, in other words, like a lot. Like, more than your lifetime's worth. Like, there will never be a time where you are not supposed to forgive someone. And I understand that this is like, okay, again, probably another point for discussion for us for later, right? Like, how much is too much? Like, I don't want to be, like, a doormat and those kinds of things. Like, is God calling us to be a doormat? These are questions that we have to wrestle through here. But clearly, Jesus is emphasizing that we are to be marked as people who will forgive. And that that that's the rule, not the exception, right? So, like, it is not only our identity of who we are to be the the people of God, but it is our responsibility to forgive. Forgive anyone who offends you, verse 13 in Colossians uh, 3 said. Forgive anyone who offends you because the Lord forgave you. How many times has God forgiven you? More than seven, right? More than 70 times seven? I would think so. (laughs) You know, a lot, right? So, in other words, never stop. Nothing is too big To forgive. So, so why forgive? One, it's part of who we are. Number two, it's our responsibility. And number three, lastly, is because love brings reconciliation. When I choose to forgive, the imagery is that I am taking my hands off of the neck of the person that I'm forgiving. There was a, a movie called The Shack. And have you ever seen this movie, The Shack? We did a we did a, a teaching on it several years ago, like in our God in the movie series. Um, and at the end, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's it's a mirror in a lot of ways of like it's a paraphrase, if you will, of how God you know treats his his children. And there is this powerful moment where he was so angry, right? And he he was fighting, I think, against this individual, and he he puts his like his like his foot on the neck of this person, right? And the idea of forgiveness is saying, I'm removing it. Like, I'm so hurt by what you have done to me, right? The the person who has been the aggressor, the person who's hurt me, the person who's caused that wound, like we said in the beginning with that quote. Like, to forgive someone can feel more painful than the acquiring of the wound itself, right? But What we're doing in forgiveness, in this concept of bringing reconciliation, is recognizing that we're we're just saying, I'm... I'm taking it off. I'm no longer like going to be the bearer of the vengeance that I feel like you deserve. I'm, I'm removing my, my hands from it. Jesus said, or I'm sorry, in, in verse 14 of Colossians 3, uh, Apostle Paul said, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. So the idea here of love bringing reconciliation is that when we can see the person who hurt us as a human— as someone who has their own hurts, as their own pains, and maybe they feel so far away from what you feel like a hurt human should be like, or, you know, and, and it's hard for us to see that person as, a, as someone who God loves as well. If you can find a way to see them as a person who's worthy of love because of their innate values as a human, when you choose love, when you choose forgiveness, you begin to rebuild the road of reconciliation, which cannot be possible. Like when I think about our nation, and I don't want to get into politics in this, but last night there was uh, the president-elect kept saying about healing for our country, right? The concept of coming together and finding healing. There is no healing that can take place in a nation or in a one-on-one relationship until you begin to love each other again. You can't. And so that's what we're seeing here is right it's clothe yourselves with love because love binds us together. If I see you as an enemy, if I if all you are defined to me is the way that you have hurt me, if that is the definition of you to me, I cannot heal and you cannot heal and our relationship will forever be broken. Because God is interested in restoring and fixing broken things. We see that over and over and over again, that God is interested in fixing and restoring broken things. Have you ever heard a, a three- or four-part harmony, like in a song? Like how, how the voices all come together with different octaves, and it's incredible. It's beautiful. And so when it says right here, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, Right? When there is healing and restoration in a relationship that was once scarred and broken, it's like a beautiful harmony song that's happening. The music that is made in love from that, from that healing is one of the most beautiful sounds that could ever be. And when we allow love to rule in our relationships, it brings together instead of separates. And I recognize this is hard, very difficult, right? Very difficult for us to be able to walk this out, but this is the standard that has been set. This is what we have been marked as as Christians for 2,000 years, love and forgiveness, regardless of what has been done to us. And so love through forgiveness tears down the walls that divide, and the same forgiveness that is offered to each of us through Christ Jesus is expected to be shared with those around us. And I want to finish with this quote from the theologian Reinhold Niebuhr. He said, forgiveness is the final form of love. Forgiveness is the final form of love. And so my challenge to you today, and we'll close with this uh, and then discuss, is this. Choose forgiveness instead of bitterness. Jesus is saying to us, I will forgive you. I have grace. I have mercy for you. Deal with, though, unforgiveness. Deal with the hurt and pain and the separation that you have in your heart with other people. Deal with that and then come back and talk to me. What I have for you will always be waiting. You need to deal with this. Address this with other people. Choose forgiveness instead of bitterness. Examine your heart. Recognize your need for forgiveness from God and from others. Perhaps you have wronged someone and you need to make it right with them and receive forgiveness. Find the courage to ask for it and to give it, both with God, God, I'm sorry, you know? God, I'm sorry. And then also to ask for forgiveness from others, but also to give it to others. Find the courage to give it. Offer forgiveness before God and then receive it. God, I, 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 help me. I don't know how to forgive this person who hurt me. Like, work through that, you know? Like, that's what we need to do. Choose forgiveness instead of bitterness. Forgiveness is the final form of of love, let me pray for us, and then we'll discuss this time. Um, God, this this uh, verse in your the Lord's Prayer is one that is sounds easy, and yet it is packed full of challenge for us. That is very difficult uh, for us to live out consistently. Um, it seems like we live in a time where th- this is forgotten about, um, even within our own ranks of your own children and your church that we have kind of gotten out of practice of being reconcilers. Um, God, would you speak to each of us, challenge each of us um, to to consider the forgiveness that you have given us and to not take that lightly. Um, It is incredibly valuable and beautiful and wonderful that you have freely given mercy and grace and forgiveness to us and you offer it to us and yet at the same time um, you call us to, to not cheapen it in a way by, by, uh, tarnishing it by being uh, bitter and holding unforgiveness. How could we be your children? How could we truly show people who you are and your extravagant love if we are not willing to exhibit it in uh, in their lives, and other people? And and if there's anyone in the room today who who is holding bitterness or unforgiveness in their heart, I pray that you would softly. Uh, just touch that and begin to to break through that, and God, for those of us who maybe it 's not a, a specific person or a hurt, but maybe more of a general sense of of cynicism or bitterness in our country or with a group of people or you know anything like that, God would you do the same, Holy Spirit We give you permission to to uh, speak into our lives, to um, to to touch us in areas that we have walled off and kept you out of, and and allowed bitterness and cynicism to take root, skepticism, whatever it might be, God, make us people who are for, who give forgiven, who give forgiveness and grace. Um, and so I pray that as we discuss this topic, that you would. Uh, that you would just flow through the conversation with your spirit, that we would learn more from each other about this, that we would find grace for each other and also for uh, the world around us so that your kingdom can rule in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.